0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Faces of TBI podcast series. My name is Amy Zellmer, and I am the founder of FacesofTBI.com and the host for today's podcast. The goal of this podcast series is to bring more awareness to traumatic brain injury and concussion, and it is created by survivors for survivors. Each week, you'll hear from survivors, caregivers, medical professionals, and others who have their efforts towards raising awareness about this invisible injury. And it's also a place to help unite and educate fellow survivors. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am a TBI survivor. I fell on the ice in 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, writing mostly about TBI, so be sure to check me out on there. And I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I created FacesofTBI.com as a place where you can follow my blog and read about my journey and get some inspiration and also hear about others. And you can also sign up for my TBI newsletter and learn about upcoming podcasts that we have coming up. And you can also check out my recently released book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, um, which is available in hard copy as well as e-book form. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. So today, my guest is Rachel Katz. She is a speech-language pathologist, and we're going to be talking all about aphasia, which many of you know is the result of a traumatic brain injury or stroke. And it doesn't infect the intelligence, so it's not hard to understand the very real struggle of the patient experiencing it. So in a 2010 study on the impact of 60 different diseases and 15 conditions on quality of life for more than 66,000 people interviewed, they found that aphasia has the largest negative impact on the quality of life, more than cancer and Alzheimer's disease, which I could certainly understand that myself. So Rachel is a speech team leader at HealthSouth South Sunrise Rehabilitation Hospital, and she specializes in aphasia, orders, and cognitive rehabilitation. Her experience is with a wide variety of diagnosis, including primary stroke and brain injury patients, and in the an acute inpatient rehabilitation setting. Rachel initiated and facilitates the aphasia community group, at HSSRH Hospital to provide education and support for people with aphasia and their family members and caregivers. So welcome to the show, Rachel. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So Rachel, why don't you give us a little bit of background on how you got into this line of work And working, it sounds like you work primarily with aphasia patients. So, how did you kind of get into this? And also, maybe give our listeners a brief explanation of what aphasia is in case someone doesn't really know what that means.
1: Okay, I actually found this field, like most speech pathologists, by a family member needing some speech services. My father, after he had head and neck cancer, needed some speech services for something called dysphagia, which is a swallowing impairment, and I was attending one of his speech therapy sessions, and I thought this is something I was really interested in, and I was passionate about having a family connection there, and once I found out more information about the field, I just jumped right in, and I've really enjoyed being part of the speech field and everything it has to offer for our patients and such. I do, I do work with people with aphasia, but that is not my primary. I see a variety of diagnoses, but I do have a love of evaluating and treating um, people with aphasia. And I did, as you say, initiated the aphasia community group here at this facility because I did see that there was an opportunity to provide a little more, really, communication amongst people with aphasia and caregivers and support. So to speak a little bit about aphasia, you did a a great job introducing it. Like you said, I like to always preface that it is something that impacts communication, but it does not affect your intellect at all. So aphasia is a communication disorder that does typically result, like you said, from a traumatic brain injury or stroke or really any type of neurological injury, and it impacts language. It can impact up to all four areas of language. So somebody's ability to verbally express themselves or speak uh, auditory comprehension or understand and reading and writing as well, so that's kind of a brief synopsis of aphasia Mhm yeah,
0: you know i we were talking a little bit before we went live, but um aphasia was definitely probably the most pronounced um symptom that I had, that and just the short term memory loss Um, but I could not come up with words and it was so incredibly frustrating because like you said it doesn't affect your intelligence and I could so vividly remember who I used to be and like I know that I should know this word and it would be so incredibly frustrating to not be able to come up with that word or a completely random word would come out of my mouth and I wouldn't even hear it Like, it might not even make sense to what I'm talking about. Um, I can see where, you know, how the statistics said that it has the the biggest negative impact on a patient's life. I can really see um, how that could be frustrating, extremely frustrating.
1: Absolutely. I actually was discussing at – we had our aphasia community group last weekend, and we were discussing how aphasia can – really be one of the most isolating diagnoses that you can receive out of all of the others, like you were saying, that you may have from your neurological injury.
0: What is the most common form of aphasia that you see? I know you said it can affect all four areas of communication, um, but what is the most common form of it that you see?
1: Um, To be honest, I would say all four areas of language are usually impacted. If I'm again, I work in acute inpatient rehab. So pretty much as soon as you're stabilized in acute care that first hospital you go to after a neurological injury, you have a couple of options. Some people do go home with services or some people come to an inpatient rehab facility and Typically, if you have a diagnosis of aphasia, we're still at the point where we're working on all four areas of language, so the reading, the writing, the expression, and the understanding. I think when we discuss aphasia, we are typically initially thinking about the ability to express yourself, because that is, for people, their one basic, the most important need sometimes is your ability to express, because without the ability to communicate, yeah. you really get your, those basic wants and needs met. And that can really be frustrating, understandably. So
0: I have a question. So um, with me, especially in the beginning, um, I would have issues. So if I was having a conversation with somebody and they were talking just kind of rapidly, um, I would, like, totally zone out. I'd be like, okay, you've lost me. Because they were talking faster than my brain could process what was coming in. Um, is that part of aphasia or is that more just in the cognitive processing or
1: are they kind of
0: interrelated?
1: I think it's dependent on the person, and sometimes they can be related. And it's, unfortunately, there's not a concrete answer to that. I think it's very person-specific, I guess, would be the best way to put mm-hmm. that. Um, for a lot of people, that is one of a huge strategy if you're having any difficulty with understanding spoken language or understanding any type of interaction, that is one of the first strategies to go to would be to ask the person to slow down because sometimes you can't, mm-hmm. if you're having difficulty understanding something, and then in today's world we do, we're, we're kind of on high speed a lot and we're going 100 <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> miles an hour. And unfortunately, that is, it's so challenging for people whenever they have any difficulty understanding spoken language and that that is always a strategy okay. i give to family members is just to slow down a little bit use some simple phrases because sometimes once we get going get started excuse me we just keep going so that is yeah unfortunately, I, I'm, I, I do think everything plays into each other our brain is really an, an amazing thing and it, it's not always as concrete oh gosh. As well. Right.
0: And I've definitely learned that through my experience. It's just, it is such a complex, um, tool. And, you know, I, without even being aware of it, I created coping skills of if I couldn't come up with the word instead of sitting there and trying to find it, I would just like find a different word, like, you know, the, a similar word to say what I was saying. Um, and I didn't even know that I was doing that. My, um, neurologist actually commented on that, that that's what I was doing. She's like, oh, she's like, you've developed coping skills with it. And I feel like now it doesn't happen to me nearly as often, but I still sometimes I'm like, what's that word? Um, And it's just so, it's such a strange experience because you know that you know the word. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like I said, once in a while the wrong word will just come out of my mouth. And sometimes I hear it, sometimes I don't. Um, And people sometimes will look at me funny like, huh? (laughs) I'll be like, what did I say? (laughs) Because I know that I must have said something stupid. I must have said a wrong word. (laughs) And if people don't know that I have a brain injury, they're just kind of like,
1: what? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that is something that is hard to understand, especially when you're not the person with aphasia because – the reality is we all have difficulties with word finding at one point or another. That's not necessarily aphasia. Aphasia is outside of that norm. But right. I, I do believe that it must be, again, I don't know from personal experience like you do, and I, but I can only imagine that it is quite frustrating because you know that you have that word inside there, but it's just a matter of accessing it. And when you can't mm-hmm. access what you're listening, that that one word and other things are coming out and those are some of the strategies like like you were saying how you didn't even realize you were using strategies that in fact were helping you to be successful. But when you think of the word cat, you, you know you know that you know it's a cat. You're looking at a cat, but you can't come up with the word yes. cat. It's uh, thinking okay, it says meow. It's furry. It's an animal. It's using what we.
0: Sometimes, sometimes it's like analysis 20 questions. And you don't
1: even realize that you're doing it <laughs> per se, but you were using an excellent strategy.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like playing 20 questions with someone and I'm like, oh, it has wings and a beak. <laughs> that is an excellent yeah. strategy. Um, Definitely. <laughs> so I, I have a question. I have read somewhere and, um, It makes sense to me, but it's something that I've never actually asked a medical professional. Um, I read somewhere that when you have aphasia, you can't come up with that word, right? Once you come up with that word and you make that connection back in your brain, um, you typically won't forget that word again. And I've actually found that to be fairly true. Like once I've come up with the word, it's like I don't really lose that particular word again. Um, I was just curious your take on that like if that's something that you've heard or I um I read it in a book somewhere and I can't quite remember where I read it
1: I have heard that before and I think that that is really more based off of again there's such a wide range in terms of severity and aphasia if you're somebody who it's just the occasional word that you're having difficulty targeting then if you're essentially making those associations like we were talking about, where let's say the target word is cat, and you start to talk your way through it, you might be a little quicker to respond the next time. That is, I have heard that mm-hmm. to be very true, and I have read that as well. Yeah, and so so in
0: whatever it was that I read, I know it was a, a book, but um, – they went on to say, like, as a caregiver or a loved one, that you shouldn't just give them the word when they struggle. Like, let them come up with it. Unless, you know, it's, they're getting extremely frustrated, then help them. Um, but in general, let them kind of come up with it. And I know my doctors in the beginning, they would let me sit there and struggle with it. And I remember i get so frustrated, like, just give me the word. Um, but now
1: looking back, I understand that that's probably why they did that. Well, it's definitely twofold, I believe. I think that the first thing you always have to do is ask that question, especially if you are the caregiver, do you want help? Or do you want to try to work through it? There are some people who really they're, they're motivated and they really want to work through kind of every bump in the road in order to overcome it and be successful. And then there are people who they may have in that moment had a really long day. It might be 6 o'clock and they've spent most of the day working through it, quote-unquote, and they just want a little right. help, and they want to provide some choices instead. Yeah. And so I do, I mean, I am a big fan of, if you continue to always give the word, if you're always communicating for somebody else, how are they going to necessarily always improve? They could definitely be more successful in yeah. life with their if they work through it themselves. However, once you're frustrated, I'm sure as you can you can tell me more than I can tell you, when you're frustrated, if you were trying to get a word out, at that point, you pretty much shut down, correct? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. And so if yeah. you're at, at <laughs> provide some help. Don't say, no, the speech therapist said, <laughs> keep going. Right. Conversation <laughs> and say, you know what, let's, let's table this and we'll come back to it, or would you like some help, and just, just take that moment. Now, what about people,
0: and I can't remember the term. I want to say it's maybe, like, hyperaphasia, like people who say stuff and it comes out of their mouth, but it makes no sense. Like, it's actual words, and it makes no sense. Like, they're thinking that they're forming sentences, but they're not. Um, what is that called, and how, how do you work with that?
1: Well, just to clarify, are you saying when the word itself is an actual word, but when you string them all together, there isn't really any content to yeah. this. Okay, like, that's like actually, they might it's called be like Wernicke's like aphasia. Rain. There rain. are several aphasia. That's called Wernicke's aphasia. And you're exactly right. You're, the person might be able to say a whole lot of words, but unfortunately, the content really isn't there. And the reason that's happening, there's a couple components. The reason they might not be correcting themselves is because their auditory comprehension is typically impaired as well. So they're not necessarily understanding spoken words, so they're not able to necessarily correct themselves either. And there is also a communication breakdown because they're looking at you saying, "I'm saying all of these words that make sense to them." <laughs> yeah. And as a communication partner, you're looking at them saying, "I have what are you talking about at this time? This isn't making sense and Unfortunately, that can be one of the most frustrating types of interactions that I've seen because both people are looking, each, looking at each other at kind of like, what's, you know, why don't you understand me? I make sense. And the other person saying, you don't make sense. What is going on? And so that the first thing to always do is just really use any type of communication. And when I say that, it's to be successful, it's, it's really – using multiple, what we say, modalities, so using gestures. If you're trying to, to talk about perhaps something as basic as what, the per, what you want for lunch and asking that person, actually taking out today, we're a very high-tech world which really has a lot of pros and cons in life, but you can really take out your cell phone. There are apps you can use for pictures or you can even quote-unquote Google it and look up, okay, do you want a turkey sandwich or do you want peanut butter and jelly, let's say, and actually showing pictures to kind of help facilitate that communication or that conversation. Because sometimes we get so stuck just talking and not using the world around us to help each other to understand.
0: What do you recommend for someone um, like me, especially in the beginning, someone who has you know, that aphasia where they just can't come up with words and sometimes, you know, they say the wrong word completely. But how in the beginning do you suggest, what, what do you suggest they do to try and help themselves? Like like you said, I learned those coping skills, but I don't even know how I knew to do that. Um, you know, well, so think- how
1: do you encourage someone I truly believe speech therapy is key because, unfortunately, I hear too many stories. Um, I was actually at a an aphasia Association's conference, their Speaking Out conference one year up in Boston, and I had a woman... I spoke with a woman who said, I didn't know I had aphasia. They discharged me from the hospital, and no one ever told me what it was. Yeah. And she spent years years knowing it was aphasia, and that, you know... As a healthcare professional, my first reaction is, like, that's just horrible and that's not acceptable we need to do better in healthcare. And my second response was I actually, she was from, she happened to be from South Florida and I was writing down any facility I knew that could best um, provide her some speech therapy because speech therapy is truly key, especially right after an injury, to to get you through some strategies and come up with an individualized plan because that's the thing. is. Any injury, even if two people have the exact same injury, their treatment plan is being could very much, yeah. be, could very well be different based on... Yeah, the absolutely. Different. So I guess to better, to best answer your question, I would say seek seek a speech therapist to really help you out in order well, to... In terms so, of you know, of going strategy. back
0: to that woman, like, I didn't know what I had with aphasia. I had no idea. I was begging my neurologist for help I'm, i I was asking for cognitive therapy because i didn't i didn 't know speech therapy existed, but I was asking for it, and she kept blowing me off like oh let 's give it a little bit longer let 's give it a bit a little bit longer and I firmly believe had I had some sort of therapy earlier on, i went to i probably wouldn't still be struggling with it now, or I definitely would have struggled with it as long as i did and It was actually my lawyer who told me that I had aphasia um, because I was um, in his office and, you know, I I wasn't able to come up with words. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're suffering from aphasia," And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, you know, it's really frustrating. You trust in your neurologist and you trust in your doctors. And they're not necessarily, you know, giving you the right directions. So, I mean, I tell people to try and bring someone with you as an advocate to your appointments. Because I live alone, so I had no one with me. Um And I didn't even think to bring someone with me. Um, So I guess, you know, it's it's really can be really tricky when you are trying to get better, but nobody's helping you, I guess you
1: could say. I can definitely understand how frustrating that must be. I do believe that you have to advocate for yourself. And if you're unable to advocate for yourself, you definitely should, if you have the ability, bring someone to help advocate for you. That's really how you can be most successful in terms of obtaining services or even giving you, helping you with direction. Because, for example, an attorney's office, talk about, or even a medical professional's office, such as a, a doctor, think about the language they're using. They're certainly not using short, simple phrases. Right. No, they're not <laughs> yeah. ask no questions. They're, you know, Any person even without aphasia could definitely use another set of ears or somebody to kind of bounce ideas off of afterwards, let alone somebody with aphasia. Yeah, you
0: know, I guess when I look back, it's like, gosh, I should have just found a different neurologist. Like, I should have gone back and asked for a different referral. But, you know, when you're in that space and you you have a head injury, you you can't make the best decisions for yourself because you just... You just don't know, and I think, you know, a lot of us are in that boat, and I recently met another woman who had um, a pretty severe concussion, and she was going to all her doctor appointments alone, and she'd come home, and she would not even know what they talked about to tell her husband, and he would get super frustrated, and I I just looked at him, and I'm like, go with her. Go with her to the doctor. (laughs) You know, like, it's such a simple solution, but... When you're in that state of mind, you just can't make those decisions sometimes.
1: No, you're absolutely correct. And again, I think whenever, such as something like a concussion or any time you have a quote-unquote disability, sometimes that isn't visible. For example, after a stroke, people can see that their arm and their leg maybe are weak and they're not working the same. But you can't really see your brain that way. The, perhaps in, with imaging, there are some things that can, you can definitely get gain some knowledge or some information that way. But it's, it's definitely not the same. And I think sometimes when you have a concussion or you have something like aphasia, if you can't see it, even something someone like your family or your your spouse or your children or your parents may not be able to recognize that you are having the difficulty you are having. And that's where, again, trying to advocate the best you can. You know what? I'm not remembering things the way I used to. I think I I think you need to come with me, or I think I need to get some help for that. hmm Yeah, absolutely. And I think for caregivers
0: or even just friends and family and loved ones that are around somebody, just really paying attention and being like, do you know that you're doing this or doing that? Would you like me to come with you to a doctor's appointment? Because I think if someone had come with me and been able to communicate to the doctor things that I was doing, I think maybe the doctor would have taken what I was asking for a little more seriously, if that makes sense. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's like live and learn. And, unfortunately, that was a hard lesson to look back on. Um, So, Hopefully somebody listening, maybe that'll, you know, give them that that motivation to try and find someone. Because like I said, you don't even think about it. You don't even think that you should bring someone with you. Um, so reaching out to that, that that person and offering that can be, you know, a really huge benefit. And so, I also... Rachel, so, do you have anything... Yeah, I was just going to say, if there's anything else you wanted to add that we didn't talk about...
1: I would just say, just to kind of build off of what you were saying, is, you know, seek out support groups. Whether you are a person with aphasia or even if you're a caregiver, being a caregiver is a very that's a tough job. And seek out support because sometimes even having that conversation in a support group, I'm having difficulty coming up with words. You might have someone else say, "Hey, me too," and starting that dialogue and realizing that you're not alone. Cause again. The diagnosis of aphasia can be really isolating and I think one of the biggest ways to be successful in life is to recognize for anything that you're not alone and that there are people out there to to help you, whether it be to help find new hobbies even. I've had several people with aphasia. Mm-hmm. Just aphasia doesn't mean you can't enjoy things in life. Like I've had someone take up photography or painting and you can still enjoy friends and family and it doesn't always have to be language based, especially at the end of the day when you're tired, it can be something as simple as watching a movie or playing a board game. So just realize that there's more, there are other things, excuse me, that you can do that don't necessarily deal with language and always continue to advocate for yourself and seek out resources when you can. And there's some great, like you said, the Brain Injury Association of America, aphasia.org, there's an excellent the aphasia recovery connection dot org there you know if you if you have access to the internet, their Aphasia Recovery Connection has its own support group online, so even if you don't know anybody in the area you can you can log on to the internet and and get support, which that's really the key to success awesome. in life.
0: Yes, and those are great resources,
1: so thank you
0: well, thank you, Rachel. We are just about out of time.
1: And I just want to thank you for being here and spending some time with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I love to talk about aphasia. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, it's such a common
0: symptom with brain injury and concussion. So I appreciate you being here to offer some insight. So thank you again, Rachel, and thank you all for listening. I appreciate that you were all here today, and I hope that you enjoyed the show. Um, Be sure to visit FacesofTBI.com to listen to any previous podcasts that we've had and see any upcoming topics that we have scheduled. And also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Amy Zellmer. And I love connecting with everybody on social media. And also, you know, just thanks for listening. I really appreciate having you part, as part of my journey, and I hope that you will all join me again on my next podcast. So thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day.